you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin and welcome back for this week's episode of Podiatry Marketing. With me, as usual, is my co-host, Big Jim Mack, all the way from Ontario, Canada. How you doing today, Jim? Uh, feeling bigger than ever. Uh, no, things are good here in Canada. No complaints. It's a hot Canadian summer, but uh, I'll take that over uh, snow and ice, so, so no worries here. I can't wait to visit your area. And then when I do, we can do a live, we can do some live episodes. Yeah, we'll do some live episodes from the snow and uh, and, the, and the cold outside. Maybe we'll have an outside episode. That'd be, well, that'd actually, be we, fun. We, we will be doing some recordings in October when we're there for the Podiatry Marketing Live Workshop. One day, 21st of October, 2023. Yep, we'll be together and uh, people should uh, head over to uh, podiatrygrowth.com backslash um, uh, it's it, the buttons there on the website and then also go to uh, podiatry.marketing backslash live and uh, yeah buy a ticket come come visit us uh, hopefully we'll I know we're going to provide a lot of great information on that one day that's Saturday in October so they should definitely check out those websites well if you've been enjoying the podcast oh the live event will blow them away because there's certain <laughs> things too that when you're doing it live and a lot of times when I'm doing talks I use diagrams and things like that. So it's hard to explain a diagram, even if I attempted to on a podcast. But when you're doing it live and then you also have a group environment, I tell you, the ideas that get bounced around a room are fantastic. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, you know, we, we talk a lot of, I would say we pr- try to provide good examples as well when we're, when we're doing podcasts, but kind of to be in the same room with people uh, and to learn about their practices and help, you know, provide some real kind of fundamental um you know, value, uh, you know, some real kind of customization to some of the things we talk about on a daily basis or, you know, weekly basis here on the podcast to their specific practice is what's really exciting for me. You know, I, uh, I get the opportunity to work with people one-on-one. I know you do as well, but, you know, to kind of get in a room of, you know, we're having, you know, we have 30 open spots. So it definitely be uh, valuable for people to to look up the website and, and, vi- and definitely attend uh, Podiatry Marketing Live. It's going to be a, a great event. I look at it this way. If I had the opportunity to spend the day with you and I, I would. <laughs> that, <laughs> I know that's a, it must sound like people go, oh my God, how big's his ego? But no, but it's just, I know when I've, like you are, like I go to, I'm going to Business Black Ops the week before we're, we're doing the event. And I hang out for that event every year because of the people that are in the room and what I learn and what I learn every year without fail. And I know our event even though it's going to be yeah, one day, not over three days, is it's going to be one of those things where you know people are going to walk away from it and go, God damn, that was good. Can't wait till next year because it will be annual. That's the plan. Yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to it. Okay, let's get on to today's topic because I keep forgetting sometimes that we are doing a podcast together and we uh, I just go off track. So, Jim, what is today's topic? Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about marketing for senior podiatrists that are eyeing kind of succession of their practice or maybe putting it up for sale. I think a lot of the times, you know, we've been talking about, you know, our marketing, we're, we really focus on kind of the why behind it. Yeah. You know, we really try to make people understand. We're not just saying like, go do all these things, go all do these things as tactics, tactics, strategy. You know, we really try to make people kind of like step back and think about, you know, why would they even consider marketing their practice? And one thing we haven't touched on yet is, you know, Maybe someone's kind of nearing the end of their career. Um, they've enjoyed the practice. Uh, they've enjoyed taking care of patients, but now maybe they're five or ten years away from retirement. And you know, it's a, it's a motivating factor to like, okay, 
you know, why would someone, you know, coming into your community, not just like open their own shingle, uh, what's the opportunity for you to basically build up your practice in a way that, you know, not only to the public, but also to the prospective buyers of your practice really show off, you know, the great care you provide, because anytime you're either trying to hire an associate or looking to sell your practice, um, you're marketing to those people as well. So I think yeah. it's really important to uh, talk a little bit about that today and some ways to uh, improve the the look and feel of uh, of your practice uh, to really kind of uh, entice and really attract potential either associates or potential buyers of your practice. Yeah, well, I've heard some podiatrists, you know, they've had a business for 35 years and in the end they go, oh, I can't sell it. You know, I'm trying to sell my bit, yeah, because they made a decision like in 2023, oh, I want to sell it in 2023. And then all of a sudden they go, there's no one around, no one wants to buy it. And it's because I think like you just said then, they haven't thought about it years ahead. I want to sell this business. Now, how can I, when I'm marketing this, how can other podiatrists see what I'm doing and go, wow, that'd be a business I'd like to own at some stage? No, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a great example there. And I think, you know, whenever I look at kind of older, you know, it starts with kind of like, obviously we're talking, I'm, I'm more kind of, um, I talk about kind of things in the digital realm, right? So, but, you know, as kind of the digital channels become more popular, you know, you show up on Google, you show up in these places, you know, if, if someone is, you know, considering to buy a practice in a local area and either you don't show up, that's really bad, right? But yeah. probably almost even worse than that is when you they show up and it looks like the website's from like 1995. And it just really shows that, you know, it's kind of a, a huge kind of signal to people that if they're not willing to either spend money or, uh, really kind of like kind of present a professional look to the practice in this way, like what's actually going on within that practice? Is that even a practice I would even consider, you know, wanting to be an associate with or, or to buy? So, you know, kind of that, that first impression, that digital first impression is really, really important. And uh, like I said, you know, the, the number of kind of, you know, not to slag on any, you know, website builders, but things like oh, office no, site. Slag always, away. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a provider called Office Site, right? Like these are like the websites are built in like 1995 or 2000, and yeah. while they were good back then, things have changed a lot. You know, we have video, high quality quality imagery. You know, just not these cookie cutter websites that's really not going to show personality. If it looks like it's from 1995, good luck. You know, you're going to kind of probably in that category of patient or a podiatrist who feel like no one wanted to buy my practice or no one wanted to do it. But if you're proactive knowing that it's five, 10 years out and you're starting to kind of take steps, you know, kind of making a plan is kind of that first step to kind of moving in that direction. Yeah, I think for some reason, I think some older podiatrists look at their practice like it's, a, it's an old house and it's a fixer-upper. Oh, yeah, here, here this house, great house, yeah, strong bones, but it's, it's there for the person that wants to build it up. And I think there's two problems with that is there's some younger podiatrists coming through who I don't want to build it up. I want to buy a business that's, already really profitable because if it's really old, then does it mean that all your patients are all old and outdated as well? And what am I really buying? Am I just buying headaches? And I think from the other point, if you can lift the whole profile of your business and make it look better, one, it's more appealing to the person, but you'll sell it for more. No, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Like not only is it the, like, you know, I kind of talked about the digital aspect of things, but if you're, you know, the, the upkeep of your practice, right, of your clinic, what does the clinic yeah. look like? Have you, you know, has it been redecorated in the last four decades, right? Like, is it, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like, does the, you know, the exterior look like professional? Does it look like a high quality uh, practice? And there, there's definitely ways to improve things gradually over time. It doesn't have to be all at once, but, you know, it is one of those things where 
it is really important to consider those things. Otherwise, you're just like you said, someone's just going to say see no value in it and just kind of move on and you know either open up their own practice or maybe try to buy someone else's practice in town. Yeah, they want to know: Does the toothless receptionist come with the clinic with the business? <laughs> <laughs> because Hopefully some of them. Not. Yeah, some of them are just outdated. But there was a there was a podiatry clinic that I know uh, could have been local. I won't say, and the person had the business for a long period of time, and then they were trying to sell the business, trying to sell it to the other podiatrists that actually worked for them. And but the other podiatrists eventually just went across the road and set up an opposition to them because what they were selling just wasn't. I, I just don't think it was appealing to them, and they thought, well, I can spend the same amount of money and just do my own thing. Whereas I think. There's a lot of podiatry businesses out there that have got a lot of potential. They just need to get it right. No, 100%. And I think there there are huge opportunities for, you know, podiatrists have been doing it well. I, I was talking to a, a podiatrist recently and, you know, he he purchased a practice. And one of the reasons he decided to purchase it was is that during the 25 year, the last 25 years, this clinic, while they didn't have the most amazing website or and their clinic was, you know, it was in decent shape. But the thing that actually attracted him the most to it was they had twenty five thousand emails. Yeah. Like uh, he said, like this practice that had been gathering emails of patients with permission over the course of like tw- you know twenty five years with that that many emails, it's super valuable because let's say you send gold an mine. email blast. Yeah, it's a huge gold <laughs> mine. Like you send an email blast and you get a one percent appointment rate or a half a percent. Like do the math. It's like uh, you know that that can just continually rake in new patients they tell their friends their network of people so you know obviously you know for the younger people on this practice there's there's definitely ways to evaluate obviously you're gonna there's there's ways to uh, hire companies to evaluate practices and those things but you know understanding that how much time and effort they put into the physical building their online presence things like their email lists all these things are super important when deciding whether to to buy a new practice or to start a new practice or to buy someone's current practice. And I think those are little details that sometimes are overlooked by the people selling, but also sometimes overlooked by people buying. Yeah, and it's it's really important, like you said there, it's not just the database itself and, and how they use it. But if I was looking at a podiatry clinic, one of my questions would be, show me where your patients come from. And yeah, I want to see the referral sources. And I'm not talking just from GPs and physios. How are these patients finding your clinic? How are they coming in? What are you actively marketing to constantly bring that flow of flow of patients in? If you've got a really good marketing plan behind the business, that's what I'm paying for. I want to pay. The, I want to know that you're going to give me that marketing plan, so when I buy your business, I can keep that going and I will get the same results. It's not reliant just on you as the podiatrist. No, I think that's really really important. I think it's also really important to to really kind of continue to build the network of, of what are those referral networks you have in place, whether it be professional or, or, or um, you know, the local businesses in your area. I think it is one of those things where, like you said, you know, five or 10 years out and may feel like a time when you really want to slow down or you may want to like, you know, turn off some of this stuff, but really yeah. that's, that's that by turning those things off, you're putting, you're kind of doing a disservice to yourself and to the potential person that either may want to buy it or uh, bring on an associate. Because if it's if you if you basically haven't been networking or connecting with other new healthcare professionals in your local area for a decade, that that makes it a lot less appealing, right? If you don't have doctors' referrals and things coming into your office on a consistent basis, uh, you can't really fake that kind of stuff with uh, with with someone. I guess you could 
you could try, but um, it's really, really important to continue to do those things. So, you know, the networking from your professional network, but then also, uh, do you have a local, do you have a residency in your area or do you have friends or colleagues that had, you know, been associated with residencies because, you know, finding, you know, it's not going to be super easy to find someone to buy either. So, mm. you know, maintaining those networks of people, you know, that are associated with residency programs or, you know, people that are in large metropolitan areas that might have more residents or students coming out of those areas. You know, maybe you've been, you know, yearly you go to the school, um, you, go, you go back to your school for a awards night. Um, you know, actually this year I have my, I hate to say it out loud, but my 20th uh, Shoal College uh, reunion is this year. So you all if you're bastard. trying to, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm ancient these days, right? Hey. But it is one of those things by, by kind of providing value to your school and kind of staying connected uh, to the alumni network, um, these things can come in hugely valuable when you're ready to sell your practice. So, you know, obviously the digital stuff is important, your physical building, but really don't, it's really important not to downplay, downplay the importance of your network and those people that you've gone to school with or are in your local area to really help you um, when, you're, when it's time to consider making that gradual transition or selling your practice. It all comes down, and we have mentioned it before on the podcast, is dig the well before you need the water. Is a lot of people, you can't wait until you're thirsty before you start digging the well. By the time you dig the well, you'll be dead. This happens when it comes to selling your practice, is you've got to dig the well before you need the water. Is you know, at some stage, you probably want to sell your business, whether it's five years' time, 10 years' time, or 15 years' time. So start digging the well now before you want to sell it, like you said, the online, your online presence, your networking, your referral sources, all these things are stuff that you need to be doing over a number of years. And then when it's time to sell, you, you've got everything in place. And I think it's also important to know that like, you're not in this alone. If you're, you know, I, I kind of compared it to like buying and selling a house, you know, most people maybe have, you know, three or four opportunities during their lifetime to mm. kind of make some of these big purchases. Right. And, I know that when I first bought, when I bought my first house, I felt like if I would have known that, or if I like that little thing here and well, I'm, I, well, I don't regret it. You know, definitely the more times you can do things, um, the better you're going to be at it. So, you know, taking, you know, considering having some expert help or some people to kind of balance ideas off of whether it be a consultant or someone to help you advise in these different areas, for example, you know, Getting, you don't have to go learn digital marketing. You don't have to go become a Google Ads expert. That's not what we're saying here today. But you need to go find someone who is that can help you. I, I happen to know a guy. Not to, not to toot my own <laughs> horn here, but you know, at least getting an audit as far as you know, how do I compare to what else is out there, or to local other local clinics or other clinics that I oh I know I had maybe you have like friends that have sold a clinic and you wanted to see what you know what did their website look like when they sold it so. There's ways to kind of you know do that on the digital side, but also there, there's companies and there's probably consultants out there that that handle um, these kind of uh, clinic sales or you know finding an associate or a potential su a successor for your practice. And you know you're probably only going to sell your practice one time, right? So you want to make sure that you get the maximum amount of value out of it, or five times. I've done it five <laughs> times. I can't believe I've sold sold my clinic clinics five times. I've sold them. What what lessons did you learn, Tyson, by by selling five different clinics? The biggest, the biggest lesson is, is you can you dig the well before you need the water. So my first first clinic I sold was on the Gold Coast. Had to sell it because I had a hand injury and I couldn't work anymore. 
So I maintained the clinic for about 12 months and I desperately tried to hang on to it and I was pretty much a fire sale. I had to sell it. And surprising, I got okay money for it, but not as much as what it was probably worth. But I walked away thinking, okay, I'm pretty happy with that. The next one that I sold was in Mackay and I'd sold half of it to start with, brought in a partner and then we sort of didn't really work out too well. So then I, I sold the other half to him. Still made pretty good money on it, but not as much as what it was. I probably could have. The third one I sold is I set up an opposition to my old clinic in Mackay. There's <laughs> a long story behind that. <laughs> and But Mackay is 800 kilometers away from, from Cairns. So it was, the clinic was going really good, going great, but I got tired of the travel and, and having to look after it. And even though I hadn't been to the business for geez, maybe 12 months before I sold it, but it was still going really well, sold that for a really, yeah, that was a good price. Then I sold one on the Sunshine case, which was uh, 1,200 kilometres away. Oh, no, 1,800 kilometres away. So I like to do things in distance. And... Same thing. It was just the distance that really bugged me. So I sold that as a fire sale just to get rid of it. Good part is, is these clinics are still all going, which is great. So the bones of the clinics are good, but the Cairns one. When I sold the Cairns one was one of those ones, okay, it was a far better business than any of the other ones I'd ever done. But it was about 18 months before I sold it that I went, I really, really want to sell this business and I want to cash in big time on it. So I sat down and I worked out a plan of what I was going to do for like 18 months before I started throwing out the feelers out there going, yeah, who's interested in buying this? Now, I had a rough idea who wanted to buy it because I'd said to them no three times beforehand. <laughs> but I ended up selling it for probably three times more than what they were originally offering it to me three or four years before that because I sat back and went, where's the value in this business? What is it that they're offering? And then I just kept working on the value. And I just kept adding value to the business. And, and as I did that, the business just kept growing. So by the time I got ready to sell, from when they were first talking to me, it, it was a far more valuable business. And they got a good deal and I got a great deal. What they did with it afterwards was entirely up to them. But I got a really good deal from it. So anyone who's thinking about selling your business, you've really got to step back and plan it out over a period of time so you get maximum value for that practice. Now that's sage advice. I think there's a lot to take away from that. And I like, I think it's great that you had five different opportunities and, and kind of learned from each of them. You know, I hope that uh, the people listening to this show will, you know, take some of the, take some of that advice and that wisdom and uh, use it towards selling their own practice. But I think like you talked about, I think the real key to this entire uh, episode that we're doing here is really the planning portion, mm. you know, planning. If you don't plan, if you're just expecting that's like get up to where you want to retire and then just, Think you're going to sell it you're going to be really really disappointed but if you take the time to figure out where's that value how can you can continue to build that value whether it be through you know a professional looking website is it like your physical location looks great um, and then also you know increasing the amount of revenue generated in the practice um, and doing, doing things you love to do will really help attract a potential successor whether that's an, an associate you sell it to or maybe it's an outside um, someone starting a clinic or maybe it's some of these, you know, different venture capital firms that are buying up clinics these days. But um, there's definitely a lot of different options. And I, and I think it's really, really important. You know, like I said, there's different types of motivation we have for doing marketing. You know, a lot of it's, you know, want to get a certain type of patient or want to get more patients. But 
the opportunity to kind of attract a potential associate or successor to your practice um, is a huge other kind of motivation and it shouldn't be taken too lightly. Yeah, and I've heard some people say the day you start your practice should be the first day you're thinking about when at some stage you're going to sell your practice. So right from the right from the beginning, think about what is your exit strategy going to be. Now it might be 30 years time. It doesn't mean you're going to sell it in five years. Like I never expected when I opened up my first clinic in 1989 that I would have sold it in 1991, two years later. It was never part of my plan. But sometimes things just happen that that's out of your control. And I think that's the part that's really important, what you're talking about, is putting those foundations in with your marketing and your networking and your referral systems because you don't know what's going to happen next week or next month. And if all of a sudden there's a health problem and you're forced into selling like I was with my hands, even if you're forced, if you've got all these good foundations in there, you will still sell it for more. You will still attract more people who want to buy that business. Yeah, it's like that, like talking about the rundown house, right? Like if you're, yeah, you know, waiting for that time, and then you're just gonna, oh, we're just gonna do a fixer up, or we're gonna do amazing, you know, renovation here. It's much easier just to do little chunks at a time, right? Like or like have a plan, do some little things gradually over time, and then it's not that thing uh, where you have to like, you know, you run into an emergency or something happens, and then you're feeling kind of stuck and have to do a fire sale. Um, there's definitely ways to, you know, gradually build out and kind of make this as smooth of an opportunity for you to sell your practice and to transition as possible. Yeah, and one other mistake I made when I sold the last business in Cairns, which worked out well in the end, was it, it was supposed to go through in May. That's when the sale was supposed to happen. So knowing it was going in May, I sort of eased back on my marketing, leading, leading up to my thing, well, it's going to be there, so I don't need to be spending all this money. It didn't end up settling until August. So June... Yeah, May, June, July, those three months and probably two months leading up to that, I really slackened off my marketing. And my figures sort of plateaued a little bit. So I look back and I go, wow, that five-month period from, say, March, April through to August when it finally sold, I probably lost money over that period because I thought, oh, this is a done deal. Now, that could have fallen through. If that right. had fallen through, what momentum had I lost? So to me, if you're thinking of selling business, just run right through to the finish line just do it the way you would do it because if it falls through you can just keep going and if it doesn't fall through you're handing something over and you've made maximum amount right up until that day of the sale told oh, you i've made a lot of advice. mistakes <laughs> I, I i couldn't believe it but now definitely uh you, you kind of bared your soul here so uh i appreciate your your openness and honesty with those things well it's just the this is what i like about the podcast if someone can just take one thing away from every episode, whether it's you're, you're talking about you're making sure you're looking after your marketing or that, hey, if I'm selling the clinic, don't just assume it's a, it's a foregone conclusion it's going to sell. Any any of those little things can make a huge difference just to their, their long-term long -term future and, and the future of their family. No, for sure. I think it is hugely important to, like you said, you know, things happen, you know, life, you know. <laughs> Life happens, so you, you have to adjust to it. And uh, no, I think that I think running through the finish line is a great analogy there. What Ned Kelly say? Such is life. <laughs> Do you know who Ned Kelly is? Uh, they used to have a steakhouse it's called Ned Kelly Steakhouse in uh, <laughs> uh, in Urbana, Illinois, where I grew up. So uh, I knew it was an Australian steakhouse, but I have no idea who Ned Kelly is. Oh, Ned Kelly is our most famous bush ranger. Okay. Do you know what a bush ranger is? 
I assume he's like kind of a wilderness cop. Jim, Jim, Jim. <laughs> Nick Kelly, oh, a bush ranger is an outlaw. Oh, okay, all right. I'll have to. Uh, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look him up once we get off the podcast. Yeah, so he I'll didn't. He didn't. He wasn't like Robin Hood. He didn't steal from the rich to give the poor. He stole. <laughs> he pretty much Ned he Kelly. stole and shot people, and uh, yeah, was was a bad guy. But we, but Australians, we we love our bush rangers. They the history and just all that that goes along with them. So look up Ned Kelly. Educate yourself for next time we come on the podcast. I'll ask you questions. All the Australians listening to this are just shaking their head, going, "Cannot believe Jim didn't know who Ned Kelly was." Like I said, he had a steakhouse in Urbana, Illinois. That's all I knew uh, about him. So uh, they had a really tasty, like uh, a very warm cookie for dessert that I remember there. But uh, yeah, I went there a few times. And they now have uh, Ned whiskey. <laughs> so actually, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Ned whiskey on the next episode. Therefore, between now and the next episode, Jim, you you need to go and look up who Ned Kelly is because on the next podcast. I'm going to be talking about Ned Whiskey and some of the marketing that they're doing, which is absolutely brilliant. Very cool. I'll definitely have to uh, bone up. You can quiz me uh, at the, the next episode. Yeah. Bone up means something completely different in Australia too. <laughs> yeah, it means learn. in uh, Just for the Australian letters, it means learn in uh, North American English. So. Yeah. In Australia, it means something completely different. <laughs> I could imagine. Okay. Okay, Jim, this has been fun. Great way to end the podcast. And uh, I look forward to talking about Ned Kelly next week. All right. Sounds good, Tyson. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.